Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And Shabbat Shalom to all of you. Yes, yeah, so we're, we begin a new, uh, a new era for our country. New president, new administration, all those good things. Uh, so we should be praying for our, our, our government. I know this has been a contentious, uh, particularly a contentious election this year. But we all need to be praying for the success of our people, wherever our politics may lie. If they are successful, then hopefully we'll all be successful and live in peace, as the scripture teaches us. But that's not what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about uh, Shemot. So here we begin the second book of the Pentateuch called Shemot, and it's important, I think, that we understand uh, the meaning of these things. The word Shemot means names, and uh, that's because that's how the book begins. Eleh Shemot Yisrael, the Bnei Yisrael, these are the, these are the names of the sons of Israel went down to Egypt. That's why it's called Shemot, right? It makes a lot of sense, actually. And so it's pretty appropriately named. But, I mean, what exactly are names? Why do names matter? After all, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, presumably. But throughout history, and certainly through the early history of our people, there are many stories of people whose names, who changed their names or had their names changed. When, particularly when something significant happened to them. And we know, for instance, our father Abraham, who began as Avram. So Avram means uh, exalted father. And yet God decided to change his name to Avraham. And this he did when he affirmed the covenant to him, because he would become the father of many nations, and that's why his name was changed. So it had great significance because he became the father of faith to all those who will believe in God. And of course, we remember the story, we just uh, talked about it a few weeks ago, of Yaakov, the heel grabber, who ultimately had his name changed to Yisrael, the prince of God. So all of those things happen, make their names very significant. And we've, well, we've seen that in our own time with, you know, many people who've decided to change their name. I remember when I was a kid uh, growing up, and if you ever go visit with my family, you know, everybody calls me Anthony. That's how I grew up. And I, in fact, I remember being in the fifth grade, and there were five of us who named Anthony in that one class. It was ridiculous. And... Uh, and I remember when I, when I became Tony. It's a funny thing. You don't do it to yourself. I, don't, I never introduced myself at first as that way. But I was in a science class in high school, and I had a teacher named Mr. Williams. And for some reason, he decided he would begin to call me Tony. And you know what? I think it actually made a, a, a real big difference to me as a person, that somebody called me by that name, even though it's a diminutive form of the name, somehow it made me feel different. 
And I remember high school being a time of real transition for me from being this sort of meeker kid who was in junior high school and used to get picked on by people to this other guy who people didn't pick on anymore. So sometimes these names can really mean something. And I think that's what the, the, uh, the book of Shemot indicates most especially, particularly in this first part. Really, what's the book of Shemot about? It's about God delivering his people by declaring his name to all the world, not only to Abraham or to Isaac or Jacob, but Pharaoh representing all of the world. Then the whole world would know the name of God. You know, there's a point uh, not too long ago where our own movement had a significant change in its name. And, and it was, it's meant everything to the way in which we have conducted ourselves over the last 30 or 40 years. You know, early on in the history of Jewish believers in Messiah Yeshua, we would call ourselves Hebrew Christians. But in about the year 1970 to 75, somewhere in those years, particularly by 75, we changed the name, we officially changed the name of the movement and our own name to Messianic Judaism and Messianic Jews. Now you might think, why is that significant? What's the difference after all? Are you, you know, what's a name? The old Rose quote. Well, that name meant everything, if you give it a little bit of thought. If you think about the word Hebrew Christian, what does it mean? It means I am a Christian of Hebrew descent. One might call themselves an Italian Christian or a German Christian or an English Christian. You're a Christian of a particular race or nationality or whatever. But no, we decided that's not who we were. We were Messianic Jews. We were Jews who placed our faith in the Messiah. And that meant that we were all part of our people. We were not part of a different group of people, a new people. Someone separate from and distinguished from our people Israel. No, we were part of the people. And that part of the people who would proclaim the name of Yeshua in the midst of, of all of us. And that changed everything. That's when the movement began. That's when we started having our own congregations. That's when we began to create our own expression of our faith in Messiah Yeshua. Yes, it's not completely separate from the tradition of the Jewish people everywhere. And yet it is. it has its distinctions because of our messianic faith. So obviously names mean something. And most especially the name of God. So in this portion we're going to take a look at Moses' encounter with God in chapter 3. To see how this all plays out. Now I want you to think about Moses just for a moment as we introduce this whole idea because the scripture tells us that Moses was raised by Pharaoh's daughter in the court of Pharaoh among Egyptians. 
Now, the likelihood of him knowing very much about the Jewish people or the Jewish God was very unlikely. And even in his first encounter with Hashem, we, you, know, you discover pretty quickly that he doesn't know much about him. He will learn much about him over the next 40 years of his life, but he doesn't, he doesn't really know. Why would he? After all, he was raised in the court of Pharaoh with all of their gods, with all their riches, with all their craziness, whatever it might have been. He must learn who God is. So let's take a look at this encounter, if this thing will work for me. And it, here, Moses encounters God in chapter 3 of the book of Exodus when he sees a burning bush, right? He's a, he's a shepherd now in Midian, and he's, uh, let me just uh, mark this. He's, past, he's pastoring the flock of Jethro. He sees the burning bush. He decides he has to see it. He is called to the burning bush by a voice from within. And Moses is curious. He doesn't know who, what's going on. Who knows what's going on in his mind, what he thinks he's seeing. But there it says, he said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. He, God identified himself first and foremost in his introduction to Moses as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This is a very important notion. That the God who we worship, the God who Christians worship, is the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. That is his name. People want to claim him for themselves because, after all, God is the God of everybody. But if God has the right to choose his own name, does he not have the right than to proclaim that he belongs to Israel, and Israel belongs to him. And that's exactly what's happened here. He said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. There could be no mistake about who the God that Moses is worshiping is. I think this is sometimes forgotten, you know, uh, particularly in, our, in my lofty theological circles, whenever I read things and commentaries of various kinds, I often wonder if they are speaking about the same God. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about people who speak about God all the time. Pastors, preachers, and others who get up there and say things I cannot possibly relate to the God who claims himself to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Maybe they ought to go back to this text. Maybe we ought to understand this text more fully. God is going to explain further what he, what he means by it all. I want, I'm sorry about the size of this print because I really wanted you to be able to see this. I, and I know not everyone here is conversant in Hebrew, but 
I'm going to try to explain this, and I think it's very important. In the, verse, in the 13th verse, it says, Then Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I'll say to them, The God of your fathers, that's what you told me your name is, by the way, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, Mashmo, Mashmo, what is his name? He, what shall I say to them? What shall I say? Tell me what your name is. God said to Moses, Iye asher Iye. This is a very famous saying. Iye asher Iye. And everybody argues over this. By the way, there are books written about this one phrase. We translate it very often, I am who I am. Might be translated, I will be whom I will be. It depends on how you see, whether you see it as a, as a completed action or one that is in the process of completion. Um, perfect or imperfect. And uh, I am who I am. He said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, Iye has sent me to you. Iye, I am. Again, or I will be has sent me to you. You see, the whole book of Exodus in particular is to demonstrate for the children of Israel precisely who God is and will be for them. That as he identifies himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, it it harkens back to the promises that God made to Abraham when they first met. That God would make Abraham great, make his family great, and through him bless all the families of the earth. This is about the promise of God. In his name is contained the promise that God is making to all the world. But he makes it very specifically as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. If he is another God, a God not identified in this way, then the promises that he made cannot be fulfilled in that name. Thus it is very important that God's name is precisely what it is. Because without it, the promises of God will never be fulfilled. You know, uh, in the early in the early history of the Christian Church, there was uh, a man named Marcion who denied the reality that the God of the Old Testament, as he would call it, was the same God as the God of Yeshua. He decided all that Old Testament stuff that the, that Old Testament God was some mean, nasty old dude who was a what he called the demiurge, and that only the God of Yeshua, this God of love, the Father of Yeshua, was the true God. And that Yeshua had come to defeat him, overturn him, and make uh, a new world with this new God. And if that were true, then all the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to the world for that matter, would have all been undone. Fortunately, 
uh, Marcion was declared a heretic at some point and they got rid of him. But some of the vestiges of that thought that the God of, the, of, of Yeshua is not the same as the God of, uh, of Abraham lingered on and linger on to this very day, I'm sorry to say. And it's an impossibility if we know the true name of God. So I declare to you today that Messiah, that, that our God says, Iye, Asher Iye. I am who I am, and I will be whom I will be. For Israel first, and for all the nations. And so, God says to Moses, he said, Behold, I'm going to send you to... Uh, I'm sorry, verse 15, excuse me. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. That's it. So if whoever you're listening to does not fully understand the truth of who God is, how he has chosen to identify himself by the children of Israel, then he cannot be speaking of the God of the scriptures, nor the God of Yeshua. Because Yeshua himself knew precisely who his father was. There's a Midrash that says, God said to Moses, you want to know my name? I am called by my deeds. I might be called El Shaddai, or Tzivaot, or Elohim, or Adonai. When I judge my creatures, I am called Elohim. When I wage war on the wicked, I am called Tzivaot. When I tolerate the sins of man, I am called El Shaddai. And when I have compassion on my world, I am called Adonai. Yes, indeed, God is all of these things. You remember when Moses wanted to see the face of God. God put him in the cleft of the mountain there, covered him, and Moses doesn't see anything. But he hears the 13 attributes of God. The Lord, the Lord God, filled with compassion and mercy. And so on, what we call the 13 attributes of God. And this is how we know God, by who he is, by what he does. How he, inter- how he interacts with us and how we feel about him. How we feel about him. Is God your God? You know, yesterday, let me, let me do the political thing just for a moment. So yesterday, like all, hopefully, most good Americans, I, I, you know, I, I saw a little bit of the uh, inauguration, particularly the speech that our new president is making, and I was thinking, well, you know, it's a political speech and he's doing his thing. It's what people have done for, that's like the 75th time there's been one of those speeches, so just another one. And I was thinking, but who is my king? 
because at one point he said something about America first and loyalty to America, and you know, you know, this you know made it sound like you know we have to be Americans first and so on. And I was thinking, but who is my king? You are my president, but who is my king? And that's where I think my first loyalty must lie. That's how I relate to God. Because he is a yeh asher yeh, not the new president. He is who he will be to me. And only he can answer my deepest need. You see how that name matters most. The name of God, because it will be he who will have compassion on this world as Adonai. So let's not forget that. Let's pray for our government that they do the right thing. Let's hope for peace. Pray for unity for our nation. But remember who God is, because one day, as those of us who are studying the book of Revelation together know, all the world will be united under one king. So God is all of these things. But the question will always be, who is he to you? By what name do you call him? Many years later, after this incident with Moses and Hashem, the scripture tells us that the Messiah Yeshua was with his disciples and he brought them up to Caesarea Philippi, a very pretty area, by the way. Got a nice park up there with waterfalls and everything. It's great. And uh, it tells us there, it says, Now when Yeshua came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So they have all this speculation. But of course, the question was, you know, not who do people say that I am, but who do you say that I am? And that is always the question for each one of us. Every single day, by the way. I have to ask myself this question almost every day. Maybe you do too. Who do I think that the Son of Man is? As I deal with... The, with and I'm, you know, look, I'm a lucky guy. I'm in the religion profession. Not that there aren't problems with that. Okay, so I can only imagine, and I, listen, I was in the, you know, in other professions before, and I know that every day you're compelled to make choices about who we follow, about what the name of Yeshua means to us. You know, guys, I hope that when we say the prayers, when we look, when we, when we meander through this book together, that you're not just, it just, it's not just noise to you. That you're actually, you've actually read this and have thought through what it means, you know? 
Yeah, let me tell you what. This, you see this book here? This book, big old book? This book tells us what happens. What happened. This book tells us what we believe. Or what we say we believe. There are a thousand religions and offshoots of religions that are based on this book. You all know that. But it's what's in this book that makes us specifically who we are. And so when we read these things and we talk about who God is and we talk about Yeshua, are those things true, truly true for us when we say them? Or are we just mumbling stuff because we like the onik? Or we like the music? Can I be like that? If we are to have different kinds of lives, the name of Yeshua must mean everything to us. You know, uh, whenever I talk to people, Christians particularly, and uh, they, sometimes they ask me, well, why, why do you insist on using that name Yeshua? Why can't you just say Jesus like everybody else? And I say, listen, it's not, about, it's not because I think there's something wrong with the name Jesus. I mean, you know, there's probably 42 million people with the name Jesus, you know, in, this, in the world. Uh, no. But if you know the story of Yeshua's birth... You know why I do. You know, you notice I don't insist on using Yohanan for John or Kifa for Peter, although I might. But I do insist on the use of the name Yeshua. Because you'll recall when he was uh, about to be born, he was still in his mother's womb. An angel came to Joseph and said to him, Joseph, I know you're concerned that uh, Mary, Miriam is uh, pregnant, or whatever, but don't worry, it's, this is all according to the plan of God. And when this child is born, you shall call his name Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. You see? And we all, those of us who know enough Hebrew, know that the name Yeshua in Hebrew means salvation. That's why. Because his very name is a signifier of salvation, especially for the Jewish people. His name is all over the Siddur, wherever we look. Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua Teka, Yeshua Tenu. It's everywhere. So when we look at the name Yeshua, when we ask, when this question is, is posed to any one of us, what will we say? How will we answer it? And not only what will we say and how will we answer it, but what are we doing about it? How is it reflected in our lives? You know, one of the things we're going to we learn we're learning in the book of Revelation as we go through it, that Messiah Yeshua will seal us at that day with a new name. I think it's the same new name that he will receive in the world to come. That's how we will know, and all the world will know, that we are his. When we are sealed by his name. So you see, names are very important. Do we 
truly bear the name of God, bear the name of Yeshua in ourselves? Is it part of our name? You see, God will always be known for me as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of my fathers. And so he bears my name and I bear his. May we all bear it well. One last thing. We pray a prayer in a few moments that I hope you will pray with a different, a more intense sense. That when we pray about the name of Yeshua, we will mean what we say. And when we pray the Aleinu, and God's name is the only one, that we will mean it with a new intensity.